Welcome to War Room, the official podcast of the U.S. Army War College Online Journal, graciously supported by the Army War College Foundation. Please join the conversation at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. We hope you enjoy the program. Make sure not to miss a single podcast and subscribe to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite subscription service. The views expressed in this presentation are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect those of the U.S. Army War College, U.S. Army, or Department of Defense. Welcome to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast. I'm Ron Granary, Professor of History at the Department of National Security and Strategy at the U.S. Army War College and podcast editor of The War Room. It's a pleasure to have you with us. The most visible part of the U.S. Army War College is its residential program, in which nearly 400 students come to Carlisle Barracks for a 10-month program, leading to a master's degree in strategic studies. But there is more to the War College than that. Nearly twice as many students at the same time are enrolled in the War College's distance education program, earning the same degree over two years while continuing their day jobs. Here at A Better Peace, we consider it part of our mission to help members of the national security community understand the theory and practice of professional military education, especially how we do it in Carlisle. And thus, we think it's important to introduce everyone to our Department of Distance Education, or DDE. This is the second of a planned series of discussions about distance education at the U.S. Army War College and its place within professional military education. For these conversations, we have gone directly to the top, to the chair of the department, Colonel Heather Smigowski. Colonel Smigowski is an Army strategist, and she's been chair of the Department of Distance Education at the U.S. Army War College since, she's going to remind me, 2021. A 2020 graduate of the U.S. Army War College Distance Education Program, Colonel Smigowski received a Bachelor of Arts from Western Michigan University and holds a master's degree from Clayton College of Natural Health Regent University and received her Doctor of Philosophy in Industrial Organizational Psychology from Capella University. Welcome back to A Better Peace, Colonel Smigowski, and now you can correct me. You've been chair of the department since... April of 21. 21. Oh, good. I got, I got that right. Yeah, I, got I, had it, it right. I had it. I was pretty sure I had it written down. Just this we, we Occasionally, we like to let our audience here at A Better Peace know that we are, we're aware of our shortcomings, but we like to keep up on getting things correct. But thanks so much for coming back to talk more about DDE. And our first session, which people are encouraged to go back and listen to, we talked broadly about the concept of distance education, how it fits into you know, both the tradition of it, uh, the history of it, and how it fits into what we do today. Today, we want to move into a more direct discussion about what it means to uh, to be a student in DDE uh, in 2023 uh, and going forward. And so I wanted to, to ask you, uh, Colonel Smigowski, uh, what, uh, what would be the first thing you would tell a student who was uh, thinking of signing up for DDE or thinking of applying? Um, and what would be the first thing they should do once they get that wonderful note telling them that they've been accepted? Well, I will tell you that uh, it is a little bit of a shocker when you find out that you are accepted to the distance education program because a lot of students may be thinking, wow, what does this mean? You know, what is this going to do for me? How difficult is it going to be? How am I going to get through it? And, and so the, the, there's a lot of questions that start going through your head immediately. The number one thing that I always tell students is, it's all about the preparation beforehand. 
and then just keeping up with it while you're going throughout. So uh, if I was to say anything, once you find out that you're going to become a student, the first thing that I always tell students is that you got to start thinking about time management. You are now going to have to change the way that you live. And it's not necessarily day to day. It's not that you have to get out the 24 hour clock and try to figure out how to space out your day with all your events. But it's more about those two years that you're going to spend in the program. You know, you have things that you do with your families, you have, you know, regular vacations you might go on, or you have uh, important events. You know, some of our students are deployed. Some of our students are in command while they still have a civilian job. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that are going on in your life that take precedence that already you feel like you're having a hard time keeping up with all of it. And now you're adding one more thing to your plate. And so it really, you really have to have an honest look at how are you going to manage your time for the next two years? What's going to be the important things that you absolutely must do? And the other things that you can say, I can set that aside or I can spend less time on it over the next two years to get through the program. I, I realize every student, of course, every everybody's life is different. Everybody's ability to say read or, or, or uh, to get through material can be different. But do you have a general rule of thumb you give students when they're when they're planning on that time management piece, how they should imagine their time will be spent? So we always tell students that the program is built to have 15 hours of work a week. That work is different for every week. So some weeks it is literally just reading. So we have, uh, We have things that are set up to help you get through that information, to keep you on track, make sure you're reading the appropriate number of pages so that you're not falling behind. Because it can be easy because you could say, oh, I'll just read that later. Oh, yeah, I'd rather do this instead. You have to watch that because if you're not keeping up with it week to week, then when you have a paper due, suddenly you're trying to not just synthesize the information and write an academic paper, you're now trying to do all your reading at the same time, and that's just overloading you. So we really try to focus on make sure that you set aside up to 15 hours a week. If you read slower, if you want to read the extra material, uh, maybe you take a little bit longer to, to get your thoughts in order and to write, because again, it's it's sometimes new for people going back to school, right. having to write in an academic way again. Um, so if you have to take that extra time, you need to start planning for that upfront. You need to be prepared for that upfront and make sure that you understand how do you work your best when it comes to that. Can you spend an hour each day of the week reading, make sense of it, and then spend another you know, five hours on the weekends? Mm-hmm. Or do you not want to give up your weekends? And now suddenly, how do you fit those hours into the weekdays so that you have your weekends to do these other things that you might have going on? Generally speaking, how many hours uh, in in the regular DDE curriculum are spent in synchronous education? Is there much synchronous uh, class time? So we always have optional sessions Mm -hmm. throughout the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also... uh, coordinate with the resident program as well. When they have guest speakers, we will send those invitations out to our distance students now that we have this virtual capability that's built in. Uh, So you always have these optional lessons that you can do 
if you have the time, uh, if you have the bandwidth, you know, sometimes when you're deployed, you don't have the, the ability to get online. One thing that we do when we have the optional sessions is that we always record them. Mm. So if the course director might be going through uh, some of the things to watch for when you're writing your paper, we will record it. You obviously can attend it live if you're available. If you're not available, that recording will be available to you to watch later so that you can still get the same information. But that's during the the course of the academic year, if you want to call it that. So from July to the following April, May timeframe, that's when you're primarily focused on just the online portion, very much asynchronous. You're doing it in your own time. Mm -hmm. Then in the summer, at the end of your first year, you come in person for two weeks. Mm -hmm. Then second year, you're online from July through the April, May timeframe. And then you come in the summer again for your final two weeks in person. Right. And, uh, and so they will be coming. So the, this, uh, the, the second resident course that, that starts in June is after resident graduation. Is that right? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, and so, so that's how, when, when people are trying to work through this kind of schedule, and I think we talked about this in our previous, uh, conversation, but I am, uh, do you find that people who are already in compo two, compo three, especially people who are in the, in the guard in, you know, who, who have already had to deal with living two lives? Uh, do they do they find it easier then to deal with the uh, with the the extra life of DDE or is it just uh, I mean because that's what I'm trying to think is is it just like heck one more new thing I got to do um, or uh, does it become especially difficult for people who are already dividing their lives between two different worlds that they have to add another one to it? So it is a little bit different depending on what aspect you have in the garter reserve mm-hmm. because if you are um, AGR, what we call active guard reserve, mm-hmm. then your full-time job is in uniform. True. So you don't do the weekends and you know, you may have had that sort of experience already. I had the experience where I did the one weekend a month on top of a civilian job. So I understand that once you become AGR, that is your full-time job. You're in uniform all the time as if you were active duty, uh, in the regular compo one. Sure. Sure. So in that respect, again, now you have to get into the mindset of of having that additional duty that you're doing. As I mentioned, we sometimes have people who are uh, in command. This is that time period where people are doing battalion command. Sure. And so you already are doing a little bit more than the one weekend a month when you're in that sort of assignment. And so it does make it very difficult for them to try to figure out how to manage it. But I would say my biggest tip, whether you are active duty, whether you are um, adding this to another duty on top of your regular job, the biggest thing is to talk to your family and your employers. Make sure people understand this is something that I have coming up for the next two years. It's going to be taking up time regularly every week, but then there will be times where you have to surge a little bit, those times where you have to write the paper, the times that you have an exercise that you're doing with your seminar mates. And so you have to make sure that you spend a little bit extra time being online at a specific point because everybody's working on the product together. Those sorts of events are the things that are just natural when it comes to academics 
But if people aren't made aware of it, they may not understand if you say, I need to leave work early a little bit today because I have this event that I'm working on or I'm working on this project at school. You know, it's, it's making sure that they're aware that those are those types of things that you're going to have to do periodically over the next two years. And so that's both sort of that's time management, but that's also a kind of, I guess, life management or people in your life management. Would that be a, is, is that a, uh, is that another tip for success or do you, do you consider that as part of the time management issue? I consider that to be a separate one because it definitely, the time management part of it is just you figuring out yourself, Yeah. you know, how much time do I need? How a, a big one is, you, you've still got sleep. Mm-hmm. You still have to do your wellness. You know, you have to find time to, to work out. You have to make sure you're eating healthy. Uh, you know, there's these other aspects in your life that you get set, you get a rhythm, you know, you get these rituals that, that you incorporate into your day-to-day life. And so now you have to decide, you know, what is it that I need? And then the second part of that is then talking to other people and making sure that you have their support when you have to say, no, I'm not able to go and do that because I have this other thing that I have to do at this point because I, I need to learn from somebody. I need to work with my classmates, you know, whatever it is that you need to take time to do your studies to make sure that you can still be successful. Right. I mean, it's, it's a paradox, right? Because we want students to, um, we want students to realize that this is something they can do, but we also have to make them clear that they can't become so blase about the fact that they can do it, that they forget that it takes effort to do it. Uh, I, I would say that, the, you know, this is this, perhaps PME has this problem more broadly because we are, you know, for a lot of students, right? What, what's going to be expected of them academically is very different from what's been expected though, especially if they've been deployed to a combat zone. And yet they have to realize this is work too. <laughs> and to, to, to have them think about how that's how that fits into their lives. Yes. And I would actually say that's a good lead into my third tip, which is organization. Mm. So yes, you have to figure out time when it comes to organizing your days, organizing events, you figure out how to talk with people. The more organized you are, the more preparation that you put into it ahead of time, that's what's going to lead you to being able to focus where you need to focus, being able to do the things that maybe aren't as familiar because you've got to get back into the swing of how do I do citations? You know, how do I make sure I'm doing referencing, you know, so I don't get caught for plagiarism. You know, there's, there's aspects that you may have not, focused on, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, we do have people with higher education degrees, but at the same time, we have a lot of students who have not been in school for several years. And so it's getting back to how do I make sure that I'm doing the best that I can with this new task that I've been given? And so I think of it in two ways, which is the, the physical prep and then the mental prep. You have to physically prep your space. If you're going to be doing this from home, having a desk set up where you can be quiet, where you can be on a computer for a team session or working on your computer on papers, having a place to lay out books or papers that you're using, um, a quiet place to read, those sorts of things are your physical prep that you need to make sure you have a space where you're working from. The 
Mental prep is making sure that when you are ready to sit down and read, you, you turn everything off. Yeah. <laughs> you make sure that you really are focused on what you're doing. If you need to, uh, if you're the type of person that needs to take notes while you're reading, then make sure you have all of your items in place. Make sure you're ready to go. We also have uh, a lot of students that like to do the audiobooks hmm. or they take our, um, when you have readings online and they are in a PDF format, there are ways that you can listen to that in an audio fashion. And a lot of people find that that's time saving because maybe they'll do it while they're driving to work. Uh, maybe that while they're working out, they'll be listening to that instead of listening to music. And so people find ways to build it into their time, but it's still, it's that mental prep of being able to say, I need to focus and listen or read carefully because this is what's going to help me save time later when I go to actually write my paper. Right, right. Well, and I guess related to this, related to those first three things that you mentioned, right, is the the idea that that people have to have a clear sense in their own mind why they're doing this, and and that they need to be able to communicate this to the other to the other people in their lives and in their world, right? It's because I, I think that perhaps one of the one of the the traps that's out there for students who go back for any kind of professional education, but I'd say especially in professional military education, is some of the things that you have to do in school um, will strike people who are not in school as either sort of absurd or somehow you know, very niche. And you have to remind yourself, well, yes, but there's a reason why I decided to do this or a reason why I need to do this. Are there ways that, uh, that DDE um, uh, helps students to, helps to remind students why they're doing what they're doing so that they can, because obviously this isn't something you, you fix once and it's, it's done forever, right? You've got to sort of find ways to reinforce the message over the course of two years. I think that a lot of students that are, selected for this, put the thought into it and make sure that they say, I know why I'm doing mm -hmm. this. I will tell you that we do have people that disenroll because during the course of the program, their life takes a different turn. Sure. So they will say, I thought that I was going to stay in the military and now I've realized, nope, I'm, I'm getting out. I'm going to go do something else. Sure. And so, so there are aspects that make people rethink why they're doing the program. Uh, but you actually bring up um, a good point because in the mental preparation, every individual has to set their own goals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We provide you the tools to say what you're supposed to be focusing on when you read, the types of things you're supposed to be learning. We have our learning outcomes as you're going through the program. Those are very important to keep you on track but it's really the individual who has to set their own goals and understand their purpose. Why is it that they're trying to, to work their way through this? And how much do they want to get out of it? Because if you, as a student, um, when you pick your own program, so when I was looking at doctoral programs, I spent many years in other things <laughs> And finally said, you know what? I don't want to do those. I think this is what I want to do instead. And I had reached a point where I felt comfortable saying, I'm ready to make that career shift and actually start working down that path with, and not keep changing my mind. 
For our students, a lot of times this is that mandatory, if I want to get promoted, if I want to get a certain job, um, this is just what I'm supposed to do, right? So it, it may not take the same value for each person because you didn't necessarily choose your major, but you chose to want to be part of the program. Right. I guess that's true, right? And and and, and you occasionally, you know, even if even if you don't find this particular lesson or this particular reading scintillating, uh, it's good to be remind yourself you did kind of want that promotion or you or you still do kind of want that promotion, so you should still do it. And, and definitely keep moving along, right? If if there it's two years, that's a long time, you know, that is a lot of effort put into it. So, do you want to just make it? Do you want to do just enough just to pass, just to say you did it? Um, or is this really interesting once you start doing it? And we try to make it as interesting as, as possible, and we always have additional readings. Um, I know when I was going through it, I was working 10, 11-hour days at the Pentagon at the time. So it can become very difficult to find those hours each week. There were readings that were what we call to know more. So the types of readings that we say, hey, if you want to dig a little deeper, if you want to know a little bit more on this subject, here are some of those readings. I kept a list of those readings on the side because I didn't have time during the program, but I have after the program been going back to that list and and going through those readings because it was something that I thought was interesting, something I did want to read. I just didn't have the time at that point. Sure. Well, and, and I guess because that's the idea too, right? Is any education and edu- any educator will tell you, right? The goal should be, you know, yes, you want to complete this program and get this degree, but uh, to be able to stimulate a lifelong interest and uh, so that people will go back and want to learn more, uh, then we know we've really done something, I guess. Uh, and you know, that's that's the goal. I, I I've I've said things like that to students, and you can see them sort of smile, and some of them are like, "Man, I do not plan to go back and read Thucydides again after I finish my time at the War College," and that's okay too. I will say, though, I think you're missing out, but you, know, you make your own make your own life choices. <laughs> uh, but you know, but but obviously, I'm an odd person because I chose to do this for a living, right? I guess that the, we educators always have to remember that too. Um, so if I have these first three, so time management, sort of people management, and uh, organizational preparation, um, what, what would be another important tip or uh, that you would give to a student who's thinking about starting DDE? So I would say that the other part of it is resources. Mm. You have a lot of resources at your fingertips. So from the moment that you find out you're going to be a future student, mm-hmm you should be seeking out people who already went through the program. You should be trying to find out, you know, what were some of your tips? What were some of the things that you found helped you as you went through? When you become part of the program, we have a lot of resources at your fingertips then. Your faculty members are going to be there. You may have different faculty members throughout the two years, but every single one of them is going to be putting a lot of time and effort towards making sure that that you work through the program and you are successful. Mm-hmm. They, they're not going to do things for you. You still have to do a lot of it on your own and a lot of it is up to you, but they are there to help you and make sure that you can get through the program, uh, make sure that you have a place to reach out. And, and again, life happens, right? So if something difficult happens, if, if something unexpected happens and suddenly you had a paper due and you were working on it and then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, 
I can't do it now. I can't get it turned in in time. That's when you reach out to your faculty. That's when you have those conversations and know that we're there to help keep working with you through that program. And I would say your fellow students as well. So as you are in your seminar, you get to know your fellow students, have those conversations, you know, have the session separately, Uh, you know, find out if people are in your same town or if like if you work at the Pentagon, there's a lot of students that are at the Pentagon all at the same time. So find out who those people are. Get a coffee hour going where you guys can talk about, did you understand what this reading was trying to tell us, you know, having those conversations. It's one of those aspects that you don't get naturally because you're not in the classroom with the students, but it's very easy to make those connections and, and use those resources that you have around you throughout the program. Right. So that means, so that means taking the time to, to figure out who else is in your, who, who is in your seminar to make sure that, that, that the, and the, and obviously the program, uh, makes all that kind of information available to students so that they, they are able to maintain those connections with each other. Oh, that I, I see that as very important. Well, and, and any, any other sort of, uh, after, after resources, uh, any, any final tip or area of tips? So I would say just my final thought is that always, always focus on the positive, mm-hmm. you know, oh, have fun with it, you know, understand that, there's, there are going to be parts that you don't understand. There's going to be areas that don't interest you as much. There's going to be things that you say, I really didn't do as well on that paper as I wanted to. That's okay. Just know that you can have fun. You can learn from this. You're developing. You're growing. There, there's a reason why you're going through it. So just stay positive because, again, we have hundreds of students every year that make it. Right. So you can be one of them. So that's, there's no, there's no reason you can't be one of them, right? If you're one of the people who's come in, there's, you, you can certainly work your way through the program. And, and our goal, I guess, in a, in a, in our next conversation will be to, uh, to actually talk to some people who come into the program and people who, and people who have finished it as well, right. To talk about how they got through it. Um, but uh, but for now, uh, uh, I think you know these these tips will get people started. I want to give you. I, I think the the last word there is is to be positive, to remember why you're doing it, to remember why it's worth doing. Um, Heather Smigowski, it's definitely uh, uh, a pleasure to have you on to talk about these things here on a better piece. Uh, we know you know why you're doing what you're doing, and uh, we look forward to seeing what comes from our next conversations. But for now, Heather, thanks for being here. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening in. Please send us your comments on this program and all the programs. Let us know what you think about whatever we do here at A Better Peace. Please uh, subscribe to A Better Peace if you have not already on your podcatcher of choice. And I will let you reflect silently in your heart as to why you haven't done it already. But after you have subscribed to Better Peace, please take time to rate and review this podcast so that more people can find out about it so that we can continue to grow the community for conversations like this one. And even though this conversation is over, we look forward to welcoming you to the next one. And so until next time, from the War Room, I'm Ron Granary. And that concludes our program. Thank you for listening. The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or positions of the U.S. Army or the Department of Defense. Let us know what you think. Provide us your feedback, comments, or suggestions through our webpage at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. And have a great day.